Welcome to the San Antonio Baptist Association. You're listening to a Sabbath Talks podcast. Hello and welcome to this edition of Sabbath Talks. This is podcast number 14 and we are continuing our discussion on corporate prayer. This podcast follows the Sabbath Live topic on corporate prayer that was filmed on March the 4th and was released on March the 9th. This podcast is a continuation of that uh, particular topic, and we are joined today with a group of godly leaders who are leading their churches in corporate prayer, and we are thankful for them and look forward to hearing what they have to say. Before we get started, we'd like for you to let your friends and family and other people at your church let them know about the podcast that we're doing here at Saba. We have a lot of great conversations that we've recorded that refer to different topics, whether church planting or whatever. Uh, but today we're talking about corporate prayer. So as we get started, we're going to go around the room and allow each of our participants today to share their name and what church they pastor. My name is Jared Cress. I'm the pastor of Calvary Hills Baptist Church on the 1604 West Loop. That's right, Far West Loop. Thank you, Brother Rick. <laughs> My name is Jacob Oladipuko of Grace Commission Christian Church, San Antonio, Texas. And I'm Rick Hudson at Lackland Baptist Church here in San Antonio. Well, once again, gentlemen, we thank you for taking the time out today to share with us. And we're talking about a very important topic and that is the topic of corporate prayer. We realize that most all of our churches pray when they begin their worship services. They pray for the offering, and they pray at the end. And as Jared mentioned in our last podcast, uh, sometimes we throw in some transition prayers that really aren't prayers, but they, they help us get from the floor to the platform or the platform to the floor or to the piano or whatever. Um, we're talking about praying more than just a transition prayer or God uh, bless the gift and the giver uh, or uh, hedge of protection, hedge of protection, <laughs> or uh, we're not making fun of those, but those are the types of prayers that, that I grew up around. But there's a deeper level of prayer that we're trying to get to where we actually commune with God, not offering uh, a request, but actually communion, communing with the Spirit of God. And there is, a, uh, there is a church that's been experiencing a revival time, and it's here in the United States in the state of Tennessee. One of the things the pastor shared with me was that they, they prayed together in a structured fashion, but then they humbled themselves before God. And then the third key was the key we want to pick up on today— and that is the, the uh, added key of fasting, doing an optional fast. There are different types of fasts in the Bible, but adding fasting to our prayer to enhance our, our communion with God, our ability to hear Him and communicate with Him. So let me throw out our first question today. What are your thoughts as pastors on combining church-wide prayer with fasting? You know, Daryl, uh, let me take that one. Uh, we don't we don't have a lot of communication. We don't talk a whole lot about fasting in in our churches. As a matter of fact, I was looking through uh, my library the other day, and I don't expect that I've got the greatest, but it's it's pretty extensive in, in some things. I found a couple of books 
only one from a Baptist tradition, and the rest were from uh, charismatic traditions and some other other uh, uh, groups uh, about fasting. And you can tell by looking at me that I'm. Um, this is not body by fasting. I can promise you that. It, uh, but but prayer and fasting go hand in hand. And, you know, we, we find in, in Matthew 17 the story of, of a man coming to Jesus one day. And he said, my son is an epileptic. He throws himself in the fires. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Uh, have mercy on my son. And Jesus cured them. The disciples asked, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus said, "Well, it's because uh, uh, you know you, you, you uh, because of your unbelief." He said, "You need to you need to have more faith. You need to pray." But then he, he ends up that verse scripture, and he says, "And and these come only by prayer and fasting." And, and so the the hard cases, the things that we that we really need to uh, to get accomplished, Jesus says, comes only by prayer and fasting. And the times when the church is called together for fasting. Um, that's uh, combined with those prayers, I believe, is a is a time of real mighty uh, spiritual awakening and spiritual power in the church. And in my over the years in, that I've been in ministry, uh, I've been in places where uh, fasting was combined with prayer for periods of time, and and it was always uh, followed by uh, tremendous spiritual uh, growth or spiritual events that would begin to take place. Uh, it would break loose. Things would break loose. The Holy Spirit seemed to be able to uh, to work within uh, people's hearts more. Sometimes the people that were struggling with uh, with deep uh, seated uh, addictions or sins, even in their lives, they were able to walk away from that and, and, and gain freedom from it. And uh, and, and salvation, uh, uh, lost people would come and be saved. Uh, sometimes just out of the what we would think of as out of the blue. I mean, people we didn't know would just walk in out of the, off the street, and uh, and and come to Christ. So I think it's an important uh, discipline that we've we've neglected a lot in our church. I know right now I'm I'm preaching through a series between now and and uh, uh, Palm Sunday, almost a, a lentil kind of of uh, series, and we don't celebrate Lent as part of our tradition typically, but. Um, I'm just calling our people back to repentance and, and uh, um, uh, taking a look at their, their lives, reflection and confession and so on. And at the end of that, uh, we're going to move into a, prayer of, of or a time of prayer and fasting. And as many of our people as I can get to do it. And uh, we may start again with one day a week. Uh, we may go to you know three or four days. We may go for a week or maybe a month, but we'll, we'll continue to, uh, to do that and, and build that into our, our regular discipline of prayer. I think uh, Pastor Rick has already said it all. It's very, very important. The Scripture teaches us to, fast, to pray and to fast. And uh, he has just pointed out a place where Jesus said, no, this issue does not go except by prayer and uh, fasting. Uh, we may not be able to fast like Elijah. We might not be able to fast like Moses, 40 days, 40 nights, but we need to start somewhere mm. as the church and as a Christian. It's part of uh, our, 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 uh, it's part of our duty, and uh, it, it will really go a long way to help our spiritual life. And uh, when we read the book of um, out of Apostle again, chapter 13, from verse 2, the Bible says, When they were worshiping God and fasting. So, as the early church gathered together, the church at Antioch, 
They were worshiping God and they were fasting. Then they could hear God's direction. The Bible says the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. They were worshiping God and they were fasting. So there are some things that God, God will bring us to a point in our congregation that we will be able to come back and say, look, we want clear direction, we need revival, and we want to come together and say, God, we agree that you will do this thing for us. And we will not just come together for prayer alone, we want to pay the price of fasting. And when God sees our hearts coming together like that, he will show up. So we can learn from the early church, we can learn from what happened to Jesus and how he taught his disciples. And we can see how some saints of old work with God and uh, how they carry out their ministry in the atmosphere of prayer and fasting. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things in the Bible that get um, mentioned far less that we make much a bigger deal about. But fasting seems to be a pretty common theme in the ministry of Jesus and in the book of Acts. And I know when I hear it come up, I think, man, I... I don't remember the last time I did, or I don't know that I've led a, a church to do that. I mean, it's just something that I hate that it's it's just fallen out of our, our practice. But, um, you know, if you look at what prayer is, it's really a statement of your dependence upon God and saying, uh, I can't do everything in my own power. So fasting takes that principle and compounds it even further and basically says, and I'm weak. And, and look how weak I am, because if I don't eat one meal, I start to get cranky and I start to, uh, you know, turn on the people around me. And, and uh, it just it just I think uh, obviously food is definitely an idol like uh, for most of us, most Americans. I mean, so it's definitely giving away something that we seek a lot of satisfaction in in our lives and just shows like our bodies are, are actually very weak. And apart from God. Um, not, not much is going to happen successfully in our life. And so I think that's probably why prayer and fasting is connected. Um, I want to add one more thought to this conversation that sort of puts it into our modern era that the apostles would never have, have talked about. And that's um, change, changing what you fasting from food to, I think, uh, an idol of our culture today, which is media and entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it, this is the one thing I have led a church to, to do large scale is a, a fast from screen time, from media, mm -hmm. smartphones, you know, you, you know what the what, what I'm talking about. Um, it's such a, a crippling force, I think, on our, our youth and 20 somethings and even I mean, every, everyone's grandma's even on Facebook now. So, I mean, like we're all we're all addicted. We just don't know it to it. And so it, it's something that. Um, what it does is it doesn't allow your brain to really turn off and it hurts your reflection. It hurts your meditation ability to kind of sit back and, and listen to God. So I think maybe the one thing that churches need to really think about that I just don't see it happening very often is a coordinated media entertainment fast from digital screens and things that kind of make you always be connected to something. Uh, because if you're always connected to the internet, you know, you're probably not always uh, as connected to God because your brain is just uh, being pulled in all these different directions. Oh, I got to know what the news is today. Oh, I got to see if there's a notification for me. Oh, my email inbox is full. Oh, my phone's vibrating. Sorry, I got to get it. It's a constant connection to everything around you. And then we wonder why it's hard to just sit for a few moments and in in, in pray and connect with God. 
I think that's a huge part of why uh, people struggle with prayer and also just the anxiety that we see in the youth around us today. I mean, they, they look like zombies sometimes. So I'm, I'm just thinking, uh, while I definitely struggle with food, that's probably a huge idol as well. But I know for a fact that, that this is a huge need in churches. And so I would say, man, let's all, let's all work together and, and get something together on that. What, what you just said is, um, it, according to some research studies, that is why people can't sleep at night. And mm-hmm. when they can't sleep mm-hmm. at night, it's because they can't turn their brain off because their brain is still thinking about social media. Or uh, I know people that uh, can't sleep at night because they, they look at Facebook right before they go to bed. And so in order to get a better night's sleep, they, they say two hours or so before I go to, to bed at night, I'm not going to be on Facebook I'm not going to be watching videos. I'm not going to do any of that. So my mind can be able to settle down. That's one of the, I I think, uh, one of the important things of prayer is the fact that in prayer we're able to calm our mind. But I think that goes uh, true, that's true for churches. We were talking this morning in staff meeting during our prayer time. I think the, the, the church body if the church body is able to calm down because there's there's certain I'm in a different church every Sunday typically and different churches have different personalities and you go into one church and it's this way and another church is another way not only can we do we need personally to calm our mind we need to do that corporately as a body as a group together which corporate prayer is very good to do that corporate prayer allows us to calm calm ourselves together spiritually and to experience the Lord's presence. But it does go back to creating depression. And sometimes when it creates depression, it, it, it goes into men, mental illness. Right. And then eventually goes into, God forbid, suicide because of all the stuff that you talked about, Jared. Yeah. And there's a quote I remember from uh, John Piper. I'm probably paraphrasing it, but basically he said, uh, social media will end up being the, the way that uh, we're all proven wrong that we didn't have enough time to pray. And it's, and I think that's true. Cause like now you can, you can, a lot of the social media platforms, you can see how much time you've spent on them. They'll give you a, a minute count. Uh, and if you really want to just, uh, be flattened about how sad your life is, go look and see how many hours you've spent on you know YouTube or whatever. But, you know, and I think that's just, it's such a true point to think, I mean, most of, I mean, there's a lot of redeeming content online, but a lot of it is just complete waste and just worthless time spent, idle time spent. And, um, you know, uh, to think that we would neglect spending time with God for that, and and we're basically addicted to it. Um, I I know I'm speaking to mostly younger people that are feeling this, but man, it it really is the addiction of our generation that we have to deal with. I mean, I've heard it compared to like cigarettes back in the old days of like everybody was addicted, but nobody knew that they were because they didn't know what it was. That's my generation. Like that happened to us. And I'm bringing that up in this conversation because uh, that state of mind of just manic, constant, I need to know, oh, what am I missing? I think it is a huge part of why people don't pray. And um, I would say if we let our churches to have a revival time, um, I know that's an old word, but uh, something where we all together got off of 
all of that digital platform together and pray together, it could be what our churches are needing right now. So speaking of that, um, all of you pastor different churches, how important is it for a pastor to lead his church into prayer and fasting, and specifically fasting social media? How important is it? And on the flip side, how dangerous is it if we as leaders and pastors, are we irresponsible if we don't lead our people to pray and fast? Well, I think God has called us, uh, Daryl, as, as we've talked about in, in other conversations, um, that uh, part of the calling of, of a pastor is to lead his people. Uh, we're to, to shepherd uh, the flock, as it were. And, and you know, if we're, if we're not doing that, we're not leading them uh, in green pastures, you know, we're not we're not taking them beside the still water, and uh, you know, I know that that's yeah. the Lord, you know, the, as the great shepherd. But as as under shepherds, that's what we're supposed to do as well. So if we're not doing it, then we're not we're not leading. But uh, you, you're talking about irresponsibility. Uh, that is the calling that that we have is to is to lead our people. So if we're not doing that, then we really are uh, shirking our responsibilities and. And uh, regardless of how, how great the sermon may be on Sunday morning, um, it's there's no sermon that that's that's that good. I mean, we're we're to lead by example. Leading from the front is is just a, a principle that's that's critically important in in every phase of life, but particularly in the church. And I think our churches have suffered uh, in some cases for lack of leadership. Um, and. Uh, and so we, it's very, very important that we lead uh, these things. So you know, sitting here talking about the, uh, about this, particularly the social media and all, I, I, I'm thinking about my little eight year old. He's, you know, he just, he's just getting started, and we already have to cut him off. And that's that's one of the things that he he loses first. I mean, that's that's one privilege that he doesn't get to he doesn't get to use his ABC mouse. He doesn't get to do that. You know, and that he's not on social media per se. But just any kind of electronic media, uh, yeah. it's it's it is addictive, and uh, and I know he's you know he doesn't like it, but it is what it is. Uh-huh. So we turn everything off, you know. Uh, I turn my phone off whenever he's off, and uh, I think we need to do the same thing in our churches, which is it's kind of a difficult thing because we're at, at our church we're working really hard uh, to build our presence. Yep. Our social media presence. Of course. So we're live streaming. We're doing all these things. We're you know we got our website up and 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 uh, but then we come to church and say okay turn off your phones or let's pray. Uh, <laughs> well wait a minute I'm live streaming. No that's how no I found don't do that. It was on my phone. That's, that's how right. I got here. <laughs> that's right. I think we don't have an excuse now, as the leaders of the church, not to lead our people into the issues of prayers and fasting. We don't have excuse. The reason is because we can read it from the scripture. We see it in the life of Jesus. And we might say, well, we grew our church into it. That is true. But let the change begin from us. Perhaps when we begin, not many church members will actually come along. But if they will see us being consistent, they will come on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the leader is taking up the responsibility to lead 
and to live by example. So this is what Jesus did. We don't have power to change people, mm. but we have power to live a consistent life to the point that they will see Jesus in us and they will follow as leader. God has given us that grace. And we can do the same thing with the issue of prayer and fasting. Good. Well, thank you, gentlemen, once again for spending time with us and blessing us with your your wisdom and your comments. We want to finish this podcast by going around the room and hearing any final comments you might have based upon what we've talked about today. So, Jared, we'll start with you. What uh, final comments would you like to share with us? I've got in my mind John 15, thinking about when Jesus said that he is the vine and we're the branches. And really what we do when we don't prioritize prayer in our church gatherings is we effectively cut our people off from from the vine. Uh, We remove the power uh, of our church and then... uh, and then we'll run to a conference and we'll run to a, a method to figure out how to grow it back. But really, uh, the secret has always been prayer and, and fasting. And so um, I've been convicted just while we're talking to one another about th- what, what we need to do to continue forward in this. I just want to pray that God will help us to be faithful and to be, stay connected to Him as the leader and live by the example, especially in the place of prayer and waiting on the Lord, so that our flock and our members, we also grow properly the way God wants them to grow. I think our plans and our programs will be effective only to the extent that we are in prayer and bathing these things in prayer and moving forward uh, under the direction and the guidance of the Lord and by His Holy Spirit. Um, not just doing the rote motions of being of doing church, but of actually uh, listening to the Lord and uh, and following His example through prayer and fasting. Let me conclude with a quick story. I heard a, a pastor years ago talk about uh, he'd gone to seminary and he uh, had become a very accomplished in in Greek, and he was talking with an older pastor one day. And he was, according to his words, he was bragging about how well his Greek was and that he could uh, translate the whole book of Ephesians. And the older pastor looked at him and said, yeah, but are you living it? Mm. You might be able to translate the Greek, but are you living it? So we would like to challenge each other today. And those of you who are listening, we hope you're blessed. But we'd like to live a challenge with you. We all have a lot of head knowledge in the area of prayer. We've heard about it. We say we know a lot about it, but are we living what we know? We hope that you were blessed today, and we'd like to leave the question with you. Are we living what we know to do? May God bless you, and we'll catch you at our next podcast. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Sabbath Talks podcast. We look forward to continuing our conversation next time in hopes of better connecting, encouraging, and supporting